0: Hey, everybody. It's Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal of Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. It is August 26th, and in two days, August 28th, my daughter's birthday, Atlanta United will host DC United at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I'm not sure you could ask for a better opponent for the Five Stripes in their quixotic quest to make the MLS playoffs than the original black and red members of MLS. But here you go. To tell you why, let me give you a few quick numbers. Atlanta is in 13th in the East, only ahead of DC United. It trails Columbus by five points for the seventh and final playoff spot. There are five teams in between Atlanta United and Columbus that it has to leap over to make the playoffs. And it only has eight games and a maximum of 24 points to win and a ridiculously tough schedule to make that happen. But The team does not yet have the little E of shame by its name in the standings, which signals it's been eliminated, but neither does DC United, even though manager Wayne Rooney pretty much admitted to it after last week's 6-0 loss to Philadelphia. DC United has a goal difference of negative 27. It has given up 55 goals. It's not very good, and it thought it was going to get the help of Christian Benteke, former Liverpool, former Crystal Palace, former Aston Villa striker for this game, but the visa process is taking a long time. Atlanta United supporters probably don't have a lot of sympathy because they've dealt with that week's long problem this year with a few of the players that it signed. The game will be at 4 o'clock. It will kick off at 4.08 in the PM. and will be on Univision. And then Atlanta United's schedule gets significantly tougher. But for now, let's listen to Gonzalo Pineda, and Brooks Lynn talk about some things about this team. We're going to start with Gonzalo Pineda.
1: Well, I would say that they have very good players. I mean, when you look at the roster and the starting lineup, they have very good players. Rodriguez, very good. Fonta very good. Um, so they have uh, Benteke, maybe, maybe available. So we will see <laughs> what will be. OK, well, we were <laughs> expecting maybe something happens in the next few days. but. Anyways, they have this kid, Barry, that is very active. Uh, It's been a challenge at times for defenders to track him back, so it's just just a team uh, that has a very specific way to build up from the back that uh, actually is very interesting, and uh, it can certainly cause problems. So I think at times, Games like the last one against Philadelphia was very circumstantial, like uh, you can go for maybe 2-0 ahead in the first half and then suddenly you are losing and then you start to have probably a a poor form in the second half that puts a lot of goals in the back of your net, but certainly that game could have gone in a very different way in the first few minutes, maybe a handball, maybe not. So you know, um, uh, it's a team that presents challenges and, and we will need to be ready.
0: And Brooks Lennon was also asked about the challenges of a game like this.
2: We know they're a good team with with a a coach that you know is is a world class player and um, you know has a big resume. So um, they're obviously going to try to come here and, and get a result like any other team would. And um, you know we need to be ready at home. This is you know huge a massive game for us um, to to try and climb up the table and, and get closer to where we where we want to be.
0: Pineda was followed up uh, with a question that I asked last week about. If he yet knew the team's best 11 in formation and he was asked again this week after the draw with Columbus, what we saw against the crew is what we're going to have going forward. And I need to point out, I was not at training uh, either Wednesday or Friday because I tested positive for COVID on Tuesday. uh, After sleeping about 18 hours Tuesday into Wednesday, I feel pretty much 99% fine right now. So these are questions that are being asked by... Other uh, fantastic reporters and journalists: Sam Jones, Joe Patrick, some of those guys.
1: Well, uh, I think uh, yes, it's very close. It's more than my best eleven. I try to to find uh, the best the best lineup. And, and to be consistent with it because mm. we haven't been consistent. So I want to, as much as I can, try to repeat lineups, maybe one change, two maybe, but not too much. I try to not to touch the team um, a lot. So, so we will see. There can be changes in this game. Maybe I repeat the lineup, but I want to be more consistent in general.
0: I thought that was a pretty good answer, uh, and it's been consistent with what he said pretty much all season. It's been pretty consistent with what most Atlanta United managers have said. So, I think you're probably going to see the same predicted 11. You could see my predicted 11 in the story titled Info to Know at Atlanta United versus DC United on my Twitter handle at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Brooks Lennon was asked if there's been a point of focus in training this week.
2: Yeah, I think just being at home, we want to move the ball quickly, side to side. um, You know, runs in behind, getting in behind their back line, uh, and creating goal-scoring chances uh, and and opportunities. And I think we've done that well. I thought against Columbus offensively, we were very, very dangerous. Um, You know, guys were uh, making great, great runs. Um, You know, we were moving the ball from from the midfield line to the forward line very well. Um, Guys were turning on the on the half turn and uh, progressing the ball. So. We just need to continue what we were doing offensively uh, in the last game and, and bring that into this game at home.
0: And now after getting to work alongside Juanjo Parata, who I think he played really well for Atlanta United with one game withstanding, Lennon was asked about what it's like to work alongside him.
2: Yeah, I've been impressed from him. Um, you know, he's a, he's a bigger guy. He's, he's got a good presence to him as a center back. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be playing alongside him.
0: And then I believe it was Joe Patrick asked Pineda this question. We're going to end the audio segments with this question because this is something that I've said many, many times on the podcast that Pineda disagrees with. And frankly, his is the only opinion that matters. Mine is just my opinion. Um, But he was asked about why doesn't the team try to play a counter-attacking style? I've told you all many, many times that I'd have to go back and look at the percentages or figure it out. But I think most of Atlanta United's goals, probably more than 90% of them, come from broken plays, come from plays where they're able to get out and just run at teams. But here is Pineda's answer.
1: <laughs> there are many things to say about that yeah. uh, <laughs> and explain, but what I would say is common sense. If, if I, I believe, it's probably a belief, but I believe that if you give the – uh, initiative to the opponent to be on your own half and you are under pressure and they are having numbers inside the box or, or just uh, because what I'm saying is sitting back and then you know having probably a, a 5 for one that I imagine that's what they think and then you know having a lot of crosses inside the box and just by a matter of volume they can create a lot of chances on you and believing that just in four or five counters you can win the game I would say that I don't think that's possible or, or that's not uh, the best way like to it. approach yeah. or, or the most um, probable uh, way to, to win a game. I believe the opposite. I believe that the more you are in the front foot, the more you are in the attacking half, the more you are in the opposite opposite uh, box. I think the more chances you will have in front of goal, the, the more goals you score and the less the opponent, the less chances the opponent will have. What has happened this year is that most of the time, we dominate in possession, we create more and better chances than the opponents in the majority of the games, but the few that we concede are goals. And that's been the challenge. It's not about uh, the probabilities. The probabilities actually are on our side. Like, if you check certain stats, like expected points, for example, that uh, is basically your expected goals versus the opposite expected goals, and any differential, I think, is 0.3 differential. You should win the game. And how many points we should have if that would be true? So, uh, which is very is, is the probabilities in every game is like that. Mm-hmm. So, so we 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 would be pretty high understandings. So, that's the logic I, I work with and I operate with. Is, I believe more you have to attack to score goals, not yeah. defend and counter. Uh, and also, I don't think we have a team only to defend. I don't think we have that type of team. The, the build of the roster is not for defending. It's for attacking. And I think that's what we are focused a little bit more. But obviously, defending better in certain moments, in those transition moments, or in set pieces, or, or in just, just lapses that we get in certain plays, that's what we try to solve.
0: I thought that was a really interesting answer. I like that he did address the fact that teams are able to take advantage of their chances more than Atlanta United is able to take advantage of its. I like that he covered the fact that the team really isn't built. The roster isn't built for defense. So it's good logic. I liked his answer. I liked his honesty. I hope you did too. We're going to go to a break and come back with, we only got one question today and then I'm going to address a blog that I posted, I think Wednesday morning that has a few members of some of the supporter groups really and unnecessarily, in my opinion, up in arms. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf, so sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf That's subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf, $2.30 a week. I'm not going to tell you how I know this, but that's less than a glass of Natty Light at my favorite pub here in Carrollton. $2.30 a week. So when I see y'all tweet, I'm not going to pay to read something. It just, it kind of makes me giggle a little bit because it's $2.30 a week. It's nothing to get all the information you want about the Braves, the Hawks, Atlanta United, the Falcons, Georgia Tech. Georgia, Kennesaw State, Georgia State, the tour championship, which is going on on the television over my left shoulder as I sit in my little kitchen here in Carrollton, all those things, politics, Metro News, lifestyle, cultural arts, $2.30 a week. You go on Amazon and drop that for phone cords. Come on, people, work with me. All right, on to questions from Henry. Are you feeling better? I am feeling better, Henry. I actually started to feel mostly fine on Wednesday. Will I see you on Sunday? Well, I need to test negative Saturday. And I wanted to want very badly want to test negative because I want to see my daughter on her birthday. She is turning 20, and I'm very, very proud and happy of her. For her, what are the odds that Pineda will choose to start Mascara to give Wiley some rest? Wiley's had to play a crazy amount of minutes this season, and I can't imagine that was the plan at the start of the season. The odds of starting Mascara over Wiley. I could see that against DC United. But I also think DC United is going to bunker, which kind of negates Mascara's best asset, which is his speed. You can't really run past people when they're already three deep. So I think you're going to see Wiley again. You might see Mascara start against Philadelphia on Wednesday because Philadelphia is not going to sit back. They are going to press and Mascara's speed. Could be an advantage. Of course, Wiley's no slow poke either. The team seems to be very slow at times when they win the ball back and usually allow their opponents to get numbers back rather than go for a quick counterattack like the 2017-18 team. Why is that? Is this what Pineda wants them to do? You know, Henry, it's a fascinating question. I don't really have an answer for you. It's part of my frustration when Huzetu starts is because he doesn't really look to move the ball forward when he gets it. Sosa is starting to do that, and I think that's why you're starting to see the team scoring more goals than it has in the past or earlier this season. If Sosa can keep doing that, I think it will spark the offense, and it will encourage the wingbacks to make their runs, either underlapping or overlapping and all that, because there's a chance they're going to get the ball. Right now, the buildup, as you point out, can sometimes, not all the time, but can sometimes be a little slow, can be a little ponderous, it's, I don't like it like when Moreno or, or Almada or Araujo put their foot on the ball and kind of stand there sizing up their opponent because it gives the defenders chances to close their gaps, find their marks. They, that would drive me crazy about Barco when he would do that last year. Panetta wants the ball to move, and he wants it to move in and out, side to side, back and forth, make the defense work, make the defense make choices. To do that, you got to move the ball. And you got to make off the ball runs. Now, those are the fantastic questions from Henry, who has his own blog. If you want to look it up, uh, his name is Henry Higita. He's a fantastic young man. Uh, I would look for his blog, Henry. I forgot the name of it because of my COVID brain right now. But uh, if you want to promote it, I'll retweet it. So, I received a blog before the Columbus game from a Atlanta United supporter. And it was a very thoughtful about 120 inches long blog that covered everything from analytics to supporters groups to the Dobbs ruling to the front office to marketing, and uh, I ran it by my boss, and we chose to eliminate a few portions of the set, of his of the blog, and we posted it on Wednesday. Now, so that y'all understand the difference between a blog and a story, a story is required to be objective. You're required to try to present both sides of whatever angle, whatever the news item is. A blog can just be a person's opinion, whether it's mine, whether in this case, it's this supporters, whatever it is, it's their opinion. And I ran it by my boss again. He thought it was fine to run. I was much more interested in his takes on the analytics, the kind of front office, the marketing that I was about the supporters groups. But because he seemed to feel strongly about it and because he acknowledged that maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about, I figured I would run it. And if supporter groups wanted to defend themselves, they could. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. But obviously some of you did and have been on Twitter or just going off about this. First, if you want to write a counterpoint about the work you do, and I think everyone appreciates the work you do, I'll consider running it as a blog. The same is for this. Otherwise, I think, you know, some thicker skin might be in order. As I tweeted just a bit ago, for a group of people that once chanted F Doug Roberson at a U.S. Open Cup game, I would think you might be a little tougher regarding criticism from an email and a blog. Especially when, if you know what you're doing is good, then don't worry about it. And I called it email of the the year or the decade, because I loved what he put about the analytics and the front office and the marketing, much less so about the supporters groups. I've met many of y'all. I like many of y'all. I'll continue to go to the the tailgates. You do good work. Know you do good work. Love that you do good work. And don't sweat the criticism. All right. This is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, mm-hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. We wanna hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal Constitution.